welcome to Deeper, a podcast by Wollongong Baptist Church. Join us as we take the plunge and dive deeper into God's Word, the Bible. Here, we'll unpack and examine further the Bible talks presented on Sundays across our three English-speaking services. Today, we'll be thinking through more from our latest instalment in our series, Exalt, as we consider what it looks like to live a life of worship. So, let's get right into it and dive deeper. Jones and welcome back to another episode of Deeper. A special welcome to you if you um, have chosen to tune in for the very first time this week. We are going to be talking about um, a bit of an interesting subject really, one that I personally have very little knowledge of, I will confess that right from the outset. And we're going to be thinking about fasting. Um, This obviously is in a follow-up from our sermon um, from Sunday, which was preached by Pastor Mark Roberts. I'm going to be asking him quite a number of questions around this uh, topic of fasting. Um, But before I get into that, I guess part of me was just wondering, like, as we've been working our way through this series called Exalt, Living a Life of Worship, so far we have been looking at some uh, disciplines that are pretty well known to the Christian. We're very familiar and quite comfortable with these things. Uh, Bible reading, singing, prayer. Um, However, this week we have kind of turned a corner and we're looking at, uh, I guess, a discipline that um, for many of us is actually really quite a foreign uh, concept and one that we haven't engaged with, certainly not on a um, weekly or daily basis the way that we might with some of these other disciplines. Um, And so I was kind of wondering, why are we even talking about this at all? Here's what Mark had to say. Uh, because it's in the Bible, <laughs> broadly, and it's it's something that we don't give much time and attention to. Yeah, uh, what happened there? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I can't think. I've been a Christian for um, coming up 20 years, I don't know, 17, 18 years or something. I don't think I've ever heard a sermon on fasting. I've never know? heard a sermon on fasting, yeah. yeah. It's just not on our radar, but it's there in the Bible. And mm. um, if you if you go looking for it, it's there mm. all throughout. Um, and I think it's significant enough that when we were putting together this series, I realized, well, this is our opportunity to talk about something we never get to talk about fasting. Um, and so we, we kind of snuck it in there. We, when you go through and read the, you know, the books on spiritual disciplines and habits of grace and that sort of thing, they will often have a chapter on fasting. It's sort of one of the the key disciplines that a lot of Christian authors and theologians recognize sort of as part of the Christian spiritual experience. Uh, but I guess in, in churches like ours, which are self-consciously, you know, very Bible-driven and want to be very, um, you know, dependent on God in prayer, those sort of things, the sort of, if you like, the mainstream spiritual disciplines, <laughs> if you want to call them that, but reading the Bible, prayer, singing, communion, things like that, they're more or less going to get all the airtime and the lesser disciplines, which are, a, a discipline is really just a behavior that the Bible calls you to for some spiritual benefit. Mm-hmm. And you could the list could be miles, miles long. But in a church like ours, uh, we tend to focus on those sort of main ones, which is really why we gave those main ones um, the first airing, why we did uh, reading the Bible and singing and prayer first, because we, we do think there's a sort of a primacy to those things. Mm-hmm. Nevertheless, Scripture's calling us to to fast i think and we thought it was worthwhile kind of delving into that hold on 
If the Bible is calling us to fast, why is it that this concept is so foreign to so many of us? I don't really know the history of why fasting has sort of dropped out of Christian practice, but I do know that it's uh, only a recent development that really in the 20th century in the West mm. is the only time in Christ- since Christ walked the earth that his followers have not regularly fasted. And even to this day, in most other cultures, uh, Christians in those places will fast because perhaps there's there's been a cultural history of fasting that makes it a little bit more of an accessible discipline to them mm. or perhaps just the prosperity that we experience in the West and the um, the abundance and the you know somewhat perverse relationship we have with food in the West as well mm-hmm. <laughs> but that hasn't trickled into those other cultures and so perhaps the, the, the practice of fasting doesn't feel quite so foreign to us but I suspect that the reason why a lot of Westerners and perhaps probably even myself has not practiced fasting as a Christian is because food the message that our culture gives us about food is that uh, it's a great thing just experience the best of it that you possibly can there's always going to be enough for you on the shelves like just just enjoy just go for it like um, you know there's obviously these days there's there's lots of messaging about healthy eating as well but um, there's there's very little messaging that you'll ever find about self-restraint in eating you know mm-hmm. uh, that that there's there's ever anything good about choosing to kind of not eat deliberately mm-hmm. and if it is it's not for any kind of spiritual purpose so much as something about body image or whatever yeah yeah okay now it's probably a good time to just pause for a moment before we get too ahead of ourselves and stop and remind ourselves of what was actually preached about this topic of fasting back on sunday i asked mark to have a go at summarizing his own talk for us here's what he said so we had to think about the biblical presentation of fasting and we kind of did a bit of a broad survey because that's really the only way you can approach this topic is to sort of look at all the instances of fasting in the bible and try and piece them together into categories because there seems to be a few different kind of occasions or types of fasting going on a few different reasons for it and so uh, what i suggested was that broadly speaking there's a pattern uh, that takes place in the bible where uh, fasting is not a results-oriented activity that people engage in in order to kind of twist the arm of God um, mm. in order to you know sort of take their prayers to the next level so that God would would do something which is I think kind of what the default understanding most people have of fasting in our kind of corner of the world is that's not what we see in the Bible rather we see a pattern uh, of sacred moment leading to response and sometimes there's a result of that but sometimes there isn't um, sometimes it's a different result to the people what they're expecting but essentially uh, god shows up and does something and then god's people respond by fasting that's that's the broad pattern that you see in scripture and so what i suggested was that kind of under that umbrella you've got three different types of fasting that we can sort of discern and see a sort of um, a significant enough difference between each type to sort of put it in its own category the first one being the kind of defining moment fast And so we looked at Acts 13, the church in Antioch, Paul and Barnabas being set apart for their mission work and the the church responding to that by fasting. And that that seems to be the kind of pattern where God shows up, directs your life in a new course, new direction, uh, closes a door, opens a different door, whatever it might be. uh, and, And then you fast as a response to embody 
that interruption in your life and to embody your complete and total dependence on something outside of yourself. That's kind of the value of fasting there. Then we looked at the repentance fast, which was a large number of the types of examples in the Bible. And uh, I just picked one, picked 1 Samuel 7, where Israel are called to uh, repent, put away their idols, and then they fast as part of that repentance process after they've kind of put away their idols and confessed their sins and that sort of stuff. And so we talked about how fasting in that mode is about um, it's about grieving yourself, experiencing the discomfort that we ought to feel at our own sin. That seems mm-hmm. to be the kind of the pattern. God um, wakes people up to the the horror of their sin, and then we respond in repentance and fasting in order to really get the full weight of of that horror that uh, we should recognize. Mm-hmm. And then the third type of fasting that we talked about, I called it the heartache fast. It's the kind of fast where you you're longing for a better world when you've become aware of some tragedy or calamity, uh, something that absolutely breaks your heart and you desire for there to be uh, God's intervention, um, God to bring peace and justice and healing, ultimately to bring his kingdom, bring his son to return, and that being an occasion for Christians to fast. Um, And so, uh, yeah, we talked about the value of that uh, as essentially putting your, your stomach where your heart is, that... You know, if you say you, you long for the bridegroom to return, then, well, let's feel that longing more intensely by going without food in order to, in a sense, demonstrate and enact that longing that we, we have in our hearts. Okay, that's helpful. Now we're all caught up. But is it a sin then to not fast? Uh, no, I don't think it's a sin not to be fasting. Um, and I very deliberately didn't want to um, give any imperatives any commands in my sermon when it comes to fasting because i think the new testament particularly doesn't give commands about it Um, it gives descriptions of it it expects it just as a normal part of the christian life but i don't think that the writers of the new testament kind of go out of their way to make sure that christians are doing this in you know, any particular kind of way. There's just this assumption that it's going to be a part of the way you experience God's work in your life and part of the way you respond to him. And so I think I want to say to any Christian who heard the sermon and has been wrestling with some of these passages and stuff this week, if you're feeling a conviction to fast, great, that's a good thing. Go ahead and do it. Find it. Find the appropriate place and time and format to, to do it. Uh, but if that's not where you are, then I don't think you're sinning. You're not disobeying God by not, fasting um, I think there's tremendous value in it um, certainly one of the main things that I learned in preparing the sermon is that I felt like I'd been missing out on hmm. something that would have done me a lot of good by by not fasting and mm-hmm. I hope that that was the ex- the uh, overwhelming feeling that many people came away from the sermon feeling that this is really about an invitation from God to do something that's going to help us mm-hmm. uh, to be more in tune with him more aware of what he's doing in our lives to um, figure out how to, to live in a way that honors him, which I hope all Christians want, all yeah. followers of Jesus want that. Um, but no, I don't think you need to feel guilty if, if you're not doing this regularly or in any kind of deliberate fashion. Okay, so if we do choose to participate in this then, there's more that we need to know. Is fasting about food specifically or can it be about just withholding from anything in general? Here's what Mark had to say. Yeah, it's interesting. I think almost all of the mentions of fasting in the Bible are specifically in relation to food and drink. Um, There's a couple of examples where 
similar kind of language is used about denying yourself um, that refer to other things. So 1 Corinthians 7 is kind of the main place where Paul gives some instruction to married couples that it would be a viable thing for them to choose to abstain from sexual relations for a period of time in order to devote themselves to prayer, but only for a period of time and then to come back together. Mm-hmm. And so some authors look at that and go, oh, well, here's clearly a biblical example of fasting that's a not food example. And then other authors, other theologians look at that and say, well, he's talking about something else. It's not it's not strictly speaking fasting. It's still a valid practice, but let's not put it in the same category as fasting. Mm-hmm. So I don't really have an answer to that. Um, certainly, I think that a Christian choosing to um, exercise some self-control and to abstain from any indulgence, be it you know time spent on Facebook or um, you know some other kind of creature comfort, choosing to do that for the for the benefits that that gives you in terms of exercising self-control and uh, in remaining um, conscious of your um, of the priority of God in your life over his gifts. I think there's great value in those things. I'm just not entirely sure that that is fasting, so to speak, because mm. almost everything else that you could deny yourself um, doesn't have the same kind of physical necessity to it as food does. There's very few things that the body actually needs in order to survive. Mm-hmm. Food and drink is really just about it. And so fasting sort of targets that thing which is absolutely critical to us. In I think part of the, the rationale for it is that it it makes you weak, it makes you dependent, it forces you to realize, as I talked about in my sermon, that like complete and utter dependence on something outside of yourself. If you abstain from Facebook, that's a good thing perhaps, but it's not necessarily going to teach you that lesson. So if fasting is specifically about food, is this the only time when scripture actually speaks about this topic of food? Does scripture have more to say about the category of food itself? It has a lot to say about it, and fasting is really only one particular angle. Mm-hmm. Um, so broadly speaking, the Bible says that food's a good thing. It's a gift from God. It comes down from the giver of uh, every good gift, which is God himself. Uh, that food is to be received with thankfulness, um, that all food is clean for the Christian to eat, um, that food is something to be shared and given away and enjoyed with others. Um, and at the same time, the Bible will say that food is uh, not something to ever be mastered by. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we can receive good gifts from God, but still make sure they never take that place of complete control over our lives. There is a kind of a um, uh, a caution that's issued, I think, in Scripture about um, letting food not be your God, not mm-hmm. having your belly as your God. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, broadly speaking, f- uh, food is a very positive thing in the Bible. There's there's p- wonderful pictures, um, which I think I remember talking on this podcast in the past about um, the feast in heaven mm-hmm. as uh, the feast, the wedding feast of the bride. The bridegroom being united and his people uh, feasting around the throne of God for eternity. Yeah, Wonderful picture. back in Luke. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Um, which is itself looking back to Isaiah 25, this picture of this kind of richness and abundance of food that will be there in God's kingdom. Uh, so food's viewed as a very positive thing. Christians are encouraged to feast as well as to fast. Um, but yeah, this particular angle on it, I think, is... I, I suppose you could come away from reading about fasting and thinking about fasting, hearing a sermon on fasting, and think the Bible's got a very negative attitude towards um, food. But I suppose that would be this, the equivalent of 
hearing a um, a Christian sermon about fleeing from sexual immorality and saying, oh, well, the Bible, you know, must hate sex then. Well, mm-hmm. no, actually, there's much more it's got to say. It's br- broadly, it's very positive, but it also issues particular advice about self-control and the appropriate place or engagement in these things in the Christian life. We are only partway through my conversation with Mark, but now might be as good a time as any to point you in the direction of some other resources if you are interested in exploring this topic even further. Mark himself makes no claims to be an expert on this particular discipline, but he does have a number of resources to um, commend to us, a number of book titles, so have a listen here. Go ahead and read. Uh, there's an article that's just gone up on the WBC webpage, WollongongBaptist.org, a blog post which is uh, written anonymously by a member of our church who has some experience in fasting, and they talk a little bit about what that's looked like in their life. Uh, this person has more experience at this than me, so they've probably got more wisdom to offer than me in this regard. Uh, but have a read of that, and uh, then potentially another place to go to think about this, sort of the mechanics, how to, how you should structure your fast, etc., would be to start reading some of the other uh, books uh, or uh, other literature that might help um, give you some suggestions there. Are there specific titles that you would recommend? Yeah, there's a few. Um, so the book that was probably most helpful for me was a book uh, by an author called Scott McKnight, Scott with one T. Uh, <laughs> Scott McKnight, his book's just called Fasting, is a very helpful book. Um, John Piper has a book called um, Hunger for God, which is a free book to download, which is wonderful. You can get that from his Desiring God website. Uh, David Mathis has a book which covers a whole range of disciplines called Habits of Grace, which has got a chapter on fasting. That's got some quite practical suggestions in it too, particularly about how to start fasting if you're a novice to it. So that's um, uh, another helpful one there. Um, that would be some some good places to start. Uh, if you're looking to uh, think a little bit more theologically about it, then um, uh, Richard Foster has a book called The um, Celebration of Discipline, which again has a, a, a chapter on fasting, which is quite helpful, perhaps a little bit more intense than the others. Okay, enough with that little ad break. Let's return now to my original conversation with Mark. So far, we've seen that the Bible does, in fact, encourage us to fast, even though this is something that hasn't really been a part of uh, church culture in recent years. It is something that um, Christians throughout the centuries have been involved in. We know that it's not a sin to not fast, but that it is something that the Bible commends to us. We've heard that fasting uh, is about food specifically. It's not just about withholding from something in general. And we've also seen that the Bible has a lot to say about food and that actually its attitude to food is overwhelmingly positive. Let's press on now though. How do we navigate fasting without falling into a very negative relationship with food? Here's what Mark had to say. Yeah, it's a really important question um, because food has this ability to um, kind of impact what's going on in our hearts and in our spirits that um, overindulgence in food and underindulgence in food almost are, are kind of equal but opposite errors in some mm-hmm. ways um, yeah the, the bible uh, one passage that we didn't get to look at on sunday was isaiah 58 which has some pretty strong words for israel about the value of their fasting and whether it was something that was worthwhile for them to engage in or not and the counsel of Isaiah 58 is that if if your fasting is not about um, 
turning you to God, turning your heart towards God, then it's of no spiritual benefit in God's eyes. There's mm-hmm. real warnings there yeah. about not engaging in this thing whilst your heart is far from him and you're living in disobedience and you're dishonoring him by treating others poorly and those sort of things. And so I think there's, there's this, we've got to be careful when we're fasting that it doesn't just become an exercise in and of itself, mm-hmm. uh, that it's done for spiritual benefit, that it's a, 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 an opportunity f- to cause spiritual reflection, ultimately driving us towards thanksgiving and joy in the gospel. That should be, I think, the end point of all fasting. Um, yeah, so that we have to have this kind of a self-awareness enough to um, uh, not keep going if it's not bringing value to us spiritually speaking which can be a hard thing particularly for people who've perhaps had a a really um, troubled relationship with food to measure kind of when this thing is getting out of control and so i guess it's this is a good opportunity for me to issue a caution here to to some people who may be listening who um, have struggled with had had a, a, a tough relationship with food throughout their life that i think my advice would be to proceed with great caution if that's you in the same way that people who have um, particular health concerns, I think, ought to proceed with fasting with, with great caution as well, um, not to jump straight into the deep end and you know try a forty day total food fast or something because that's probably going to end badly for both those groups of people. But rather for maybe take really. <laughs> for anyone really, uh, but maybe to take some baby steps in, and think about um, engaging in fasting in in smaller, skipping a meal kind of a ways as opposed to uh, even going without food for a whole day. Maybe that's far too much for for some people so caution i think is one Mm. um part of the bible's uh advice here and jesus words in uh, matthew 6 are that fasting is to be done um for your father in heaven really it's not to be done for the world outside watching you you to make yourself as presentable as possible so that people don't know that you're practicing uh this discipline um and so on one level we fasting is not about boasting we want to be very careful that we're not just doing this thing for the approval of others i don't think that means though that you have to do it in total and absolute secrecy and you never tell anybody about it um i think actually there's great wisdom perhaps in sharing this journey this fasting experience with other people who can keep you accountable to it and make sure that you are doing it for the right reasons and Mm. not for uh, that it's not going off the rails that satan is not getting in there and and distorting this kind of um, uh, practice into something really unhealthy and unhelpful. Uh, But I suppose there's a difficulty there, figuring out how to share that with somebody in such a way as you're not promoting your own righteousness. (laughs) Um, And maybe maybe one way to do that would be if you're part of a a home group or a prayer triplet or something like that, to think about whether you could do something like this together at some point. Uh, And then that way, you know, you're sort of in the boat together with another person and neither of you are trying to... uh, um, you know, get one up on each other and show how extra spiritual you are by yeah. engaging in this thing because we're all just doing it together. That could be a, a helpful way of protecting against some of the dangers as well. Okay, well, we're hoping that by this point you are really keen to give this thing a go. It is well and truly time then, I suppose, for us to address the elephant in the room. How do we actually fast? What does this look like? Let's have a think now about some of the logistics of fasting. I want to be a little bit careful in answering this question because I, I really don't want to be prescriptive for people. I think it will look different for different people depending on uh, the reasons for their fast and uh, their particular you know stage in life and other concerns that they might have. Um, 
So I don't want to overly prescribe, uh, but I want to come back to the definition which we offered on Sunday, which was that fasting is about voluntarily going without for a purpose. So I think the key thing there is for a purpose. Uh, There is no point in maintaining a fast beyond its purpose. And so if it's actually becoming detrimental to the purpose, which might be the expression of your repentance, or it might be uh, praying more about your dependence on God in this defining moment of your life, or whatever it might be, if it out, if the fast outlives its purpose, then stop the fast. I think that's kind of rule number one. Mm-hmm. Um, what is a sort of a bare minimum for if we are limiting fasting to really just to do with food? Then I think the bare minimum would be to skip one meal. Um, what then does that look like? Well, I think a lot of people who who practice fasting talk about foregoing uh, the time that you would otherwise be preparing food and eating food and giving that time towards some other activity which is um, helpful for the reason of the fast so whether that's extended time having uh, prayers of repentance or uh, if it's an extended time of trying to do good to somebody else for instance there could be all sorts of ways that you could use that time of for, for a spiritually beneficial kind of reason um, in the bible broadly speaking fasting kind of goes hand in hand with prayer so i think that as again a kind of a base rule for what you should do during the fast is you should give yourself to prayer especially during that time but it's not to say that you can't do other things that would also serve the purpose of the fast well my final question for mark really revolved around whether or not we should pursue fasting if we're not really feeling like it in previous episodes you will remember that uh, Rod commended to us that when we are not really feeling like we want to read our Bibles that we should turn up anyway and invest the time um, because eventually God will change our hearts and we will want to read his word until then though we practice the discipline of doing it anyway does the same thing apply here to fasting let's see what Mark has to say yeah, so I think the the model that I've tried to present in Scripture is a model where God does something and then we respond by fasting. And so in one sense, if you look at it like that, you'd say you can't have a plan to fast. You should just wait until God does something in your life. He convicts you of sin and then you fast or he comes and divinely reorients your life in a new direction and then you fast. Um, so on one level, though, that's true. On another level, though, I think there, there could be actual value in deliberately planning a fast and doing it regardless of wherever your heart is at that point um, and I think that's partly because your uh, your appetite your hunger might actually end up pulling your heart to where it needs to be um, John Piper talks in his book about how fasting is the handmaid of faith and what he's talking about there is how actually by engaging in this discipline it can stoke the fires of our faith and and generate what should be going on in our hearts but it starts in our bellies essentially and so i think there there could be particularly in that third type of fasting that i talked about the heartache kind of fast a regular practice of that to say every whatever once a week once a month whatever it's going to be i'm going to do this thing regardless of what whether i want to do it or not regardless of whether it's coming as a response to god i'm just going to do it and god willing it will pull my heart in that right direction Um, I think that could be actually a really helpful practice for us to think about. Well, we do hope that this episode has been helpful to you in your thinking about fasting. 
Uh, if you would like to go back and have another listen to the talk that Mark did preach last Sunday, then you can access that on our church's website, WollongongBaptist.org. Um, if you've got any feedback for this new format that we've been trying this week, then we would love to hear that. Otherwise, have a great week and we will catch you next time. You have been listening to Deeper by Wollongong Baptist Church. We'd love you to join us at any of our services this coming Sunday. For details and to hear further content, please head to our website at wollongongbaptist.org.